are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners. Today is Friday, March 11th, 2022, and baseball is back and the Mariners are back. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. I am your host, Tidying Gonzalez. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. Yesterday, we live reacted to the news from Jeff Passan that the lockout was coming to an end. It was a lot of fun. So go check that out at patreon.com forward slash control zone. And on today's episode of Locked On Mariners, we have a big, massive show on tap for you today. We're going to be going over the agreement between Major League Baseball and the Players Association that officially brought the lockout to an end. And we're also going to be going over everything Jerry DePoto talked about in his media blitz this morning, because guess what? Lockout's over. So the Mariners are back to wheeling and dealing with less than a week to go before spring training games are played. A lot of interesting stuff that you talked about from which areas the team is looking to improve upon to a potentially huge update on the health of Kyle Lewis. You won't want to miss it. We're going to be discussing all of that and more over the next 30 or so minutes. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you listen to this. We greatly appreciate it. So again, the lockout has ended. I keep on saying it because it's just so amazing to say we have baseball back and things are going to happen really fast here. Free agency is underway and there's a couple of moves that have happened. It's kind of gotten off to a slower than expected start, but things are starting to move and groove and we're expecting a frenzy at some point of signings and trades. It's it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time, really. But let's go back to what happened yesterday, Colby. The MLBPA and the Major League Baseball owners finally came to an agreement after 99 days of a lockout. And it was a 26 to 12 vote for the players to approve the acceptance of the uh, deal that the owners proposed yesterday. All eight members of the board voted no, but the rest of the players, they needed 20 votes in general to approve it. They got 26, like I said. So, Colby. Tell us some of the bullet points of this deal. What what are some good things for the players? How did the how well did the owners do in this as well? Well, uh, as predicted, the owners did quite well because they've literally rigged the system for that to to occur for them. But uh, in terms of what the players got, um, the players got a fifty million dollar uh, pre arbitration bonus pool. Uh, payout structure is a little complicated. Basically, if you if you win. A major award you get like a million bucks out of it um if you finish second if you make all-star teams like there, there's a bunch of different payout levels and then whatever's left over goes to uh get split amongst the other pre-arb guys who qualify uh there's still a little muddy about how exactly that money gets gets shifted around but um that's that's what something they got uh they got a fairly significant raise <clears throat> in terms of minimum salaries um I believe the number they landed on was 700,000. It might be 710. A little bit of discrepancy there, but either way, it's it's about $150,000 raise. So significant um, 
for a lot of guys. Uh, they also, uh, the players also get uh, a competitive balance tax that is closer to what they deem acceptable, um, albeit still not, you know, reasonably acceptable for anybody who understands macroeconomics. But uh, they did they did get some stuff here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was mostly the pre-R pool and, and the uh, and the uh, minimum salary. Uh, a lot, a lot of focus went to giving the the zero to three guys uh, perks. I, I guess is the right way to say it. It's just making the making it easier to play Major League Baseball financially, right? Um, so yeah, it, it's a deal that really impacts the vast majority, but the guys at the top did have to give quite a bit to get that, and you know, kudos to most of them at least uh for for being willing to do that so some other interesting things that came out of this um extra innings are going back to normal no more ghost mm-hmm. runner on second this year uh so the other interesting thing here is basically we're playing 162 games in 162 days there's going to be double headers to make up the two series that were canceled the yep. other two series that were apparently canceled uh, the other day have been more or less reinstated. The Mariners are going to open up the season on the road for a four-game series, which is going to take uh, place over the course of five days in Minnesota against the Twins. And then they will be home on April 15th. Their home opener will be against the Astros. Um, but, yeah, that's that's going to be pretty interesting to see how teams navigate with guys, you know, getting ready for the season and, and health and, and managing all of that um, over the course of the season, which is going to be jam-packed full of games, not going to be a ton of off days for guys. Um, lastly, the other interesting thing that came out of this is that apparently next year, every team is going to play one another. It's going to be pretty much like the NBA, where there's going to be at least one series with every single team around the league. So the Mariners are going to play every team from the national league for the foreseeable future, along with every team from the American league. And they and the way that they're going to be doing that is by lessing how many interdivisional games are going to be played. So you're talking less games against the Astros, less games against the A's, less games against the angels and less games against the Rangers and more against the rest of the league. Uh, so teams that you typically would see once every three years, you're going to see them every year now, uh, mm-hmm. at least once. So, that's uh, that's pretty interesting as well. So so some changes here, um, and, and I think that kind of derives from the playoff expansion potentially. Uh, now that it's uh, six teams in each league, uh, twelve teams in total, which of course increases the Mariners' chances of ending their twenty-year playoff drought. There are a lot of fun things for the fans, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I just the hundred sixty-two games in one hundred and sixty-two days. That bothers me, especially with the shortened yeah. spring training. Um, mm-hmm. Depth is going to become critically important, particularly at the starting rotation and bullpen. Um, it makes me wonder if maybe the Mariners would consider a six-man rotation, although based on DePoto's comments this morning, it sounds like that's not even on the table for discussion. So we'll see. But yeah, the the wear and tear of that, of that stretch, like it's already hard enough to play 162 games in 185 days. Uh, and then the double headers are, are seven or nine innings instead of seven extra innings or, you know, they don't have the, the, the 
the zombie runner or whatever you call it. Like I, it just felt like I don't, I don't mind getting rid of those, those rule changes, but I felt like that was something you should keep in place for this year. And then next year when you have a normal schedule and you have the 185 days, then you can get rid of the, the nine inning, you can get rid of the seven inning double headers and you can get rid of the, the phantom runner. So I don't know, man, uh, some of that stuff that, you know, how desperate they are to jam this in because they don't want to push the world series back a day or two. Uh, I don't, I don't really like that, but, uh, yeah, there are, there are a lot of fun things for fans, um, going forward, like the draft lottery, if you're into the draft, um, sure. you know, it's yeah. there, there, there are some good things in this deal. There are some, some things that are, eh, didn't get, didn't go the player's way. Um, and there are some things yeah. that I just, including I, the dropping of the lawsuit for yeah, the, uh, how the COVID they had to, yeah, they had handled. to drop that one. The grievances against the four teams who don't spend any money are still active though. Um, so yeah, they had to give up the big lawsuit basically to get all this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, most of the players appear happy enough. Um, and thankfully we avoid that whole, you know, the whole new round of litigation of like, well, now that we can only play 140 games, you're still going to pay us for 162 games, right? No. Oh, and then that's a whole new, you know, whole new ball game. So thankfully yeah, we, that was the that. thing that I was scared we were heading towards. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that was going to delay things even further. I think at that point, maybe there would be a, a chance June. that the season would be in jeopardy because just, you know, given how, um, you know, the, the league was just unable or unwilling rather to, to move off of uh, certain stances that they had. It was just them throwing in the, the, argument of pay and you know proration yeah. of that and how many games were going to be played and all that it just seemed like throwing that on top of everything else and given how those kinds of negotiations went during the covid season you know before we actually had a season uh you know it just it just kind of felt like that was going to delay things even further uh cool thing though that just got announced by the mariners uh, salute to the Negro Leagues night is going to yes. be June 18th to the 19th, where the Mariners are going to be wearing the best uniforms in all of baseball. The Seattle Steelheads jerseys, uh, they're coming back. They're going to be looking great against the Angels on June 18th and uh, the 19th. And um, and it's also cool that they're wearing them two nights. They only wore them one night, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. Those are amazing, so, uh, by the way. Also, uh, it mm-hmm. appears that uh, the promotional schedule was just leaked. We'll probably talk more about this on the live stream. We just have so much to get to today. Um, yeah. But on June 19th, that's a Sunday game this year. Uh, it's also Father's Day. And they're giving away Seattle Steelhead hats to the first uh, 10,000 first uh, 10, guys 21 years of age or older. So there you go. If you're a, if you're a dad or you're t- over the age of 21 and you want to snag a sweet stadium giveaway uh, Steelhead cap, Head to the Mariners game on June nineteenth, and they play the Angels. So yep. you can well, tell Joe, you can tell Joe Madden to suck it. <laughs> of course. All right. So let's talk about the general manager, who since he's left, the Angels haven't been able to make the playoffs. <laughs> Jerry Deboto, he's finally back, and he's finally talking about what the Mariners are going to do over the next couple of weeks in this expected free agency and trade blitz. We're going to be talking about some of the things. He went over this morning in just a moment, but real quick, a reminder, this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, that is, but not this year. 
I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. And it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Now, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low calorie, high in protein. So replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. So go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And there's so many amazing flavors they have to offer. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. Mmm, just sounds so good. Now, go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. Use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at built.com. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. And just a reminder to check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts just like us. So Jerry DePoto appeared on 710. It's no longer called ESPN Seattle. It's actually called 710 Seattle Sports now. He also went on uh, 950 KJR, which is also 933 KJR. Now, I there's a lot of changes going on with uh, radio in Seattle. And then he finally had a press conference on all of the Mariners social media channels meeting with uh, Seattle's beat reporters. Uh, also, Rick Riz was in there. Angie Mintake was in there. Jim Mueller was in there. Uh, so everyone, anyone who's anyone was in there asking questions to Jerry DePoto. And he talked about a lot. He talked about uh, just kind of where they are right now, how the last three weeks have gone with him being down in Peoria, looking at, you know, the prospects that have been down there for minor league camp um, and how that's uh, kind of changed how how he views this offseason. Uh, we're probably going to be talking about that a little bit here. But overall, Colby, what stood out to you the most about what Jerry DePoto said today? Uh, probably how much he appears to be buying into Julio Rodriguez as a legitimate mm. center field option. Um, not going to lie. That terrifies me. Um, not because I, I don't like Julio and not because I don't think Julio will be very good eventually. It's just, I, I look at, you know, what they have going on in the outfield right now. And we, we I've, think I've been pretty consistent about this all winter is that Seattle really only has one outfielder you can count on. And that guy is terrible at like a terrible defender. He's not even really an outfielder. He's a DH pretending to play right field. And so now it's, you want to put Julio and you want to put Kalnick in this, you know, in the same lineup at the same time and, and just hope that both of them are good. I, that's, that's a lot of risk for me um, to, to undergo. So just the the idea that you know, hey, Julio is really close, mm-hmm. and and hey, we really like what we saw from our young guys. Maybe we don't need to go out and add a, a safety blanket at the back of our rotation, and that to me is is scary. Um, I just mm-hmm. I don't think that's the best way to go, particularly when you're trying. You know, at least you're, you know, you're publicly saying that you're trying to end your your playoff drought, which I do believe they are. I'm, I'm not saying they're not trying to do that, but it, you know what I mean? It's just, it's a little bit like, ugh, that's a lot of eggs to put in a, 
in a basket that's not proven to be sturdy, if that makes sense. Sure. So, so while he did talk about that, and he did talk about not wanting to block Julio from quote unquote ascending. Uh, he did reiterate on multiple occasions that they do want to add offensive depth in the outfield. And it seems like they would prefer adding a left-handed bat in the outfield. So if we're going off of that, that would potentially rule out, say, a Suzuki, who's been long linked to them uh, this offseason. And that would more so put them in the market for someone like Michael Conforto. Obviously, we there was a big rumor that said that they were talking to the Pirates about Brian Reynolds. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is still out there. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier is still a trade option. So is Max Kepler, potentially. Uh, there's some other guys like Corey Dickerson, Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, Brett Gardner, uh, Alex Dickerson uh, to to go over there. Some other needs that he uh, mentioned, or, or at least areas of focus, um, left-handed reliever. Uh, that That's something that he mentioned. A kind of a versatile pitcher as well who might start the year in the rotation, but could go down to the uh, to the bullpen eventually when... George Kirby or Matt Brash or Brandon Williamson, whoever it is, makes their way up to the big leagues. Um, they still want to add a power bat, and I would I would think that's uh, that's a righty. Uh, he he mentioned you know it's hopefully quote unquote infield. He also mentioned that you know there's some guys we're te- we've been tethered to out in the uh, the rumor mill, and I'm sure he's uh, talking about Trevor Story and, and Chris Bryant there. So uh, when he's referencing power bat infield, that's who he's likely talking. Um, the other really interesting thing that he mentioned today uh, on top of the pitching stuff uh, was that they're not really looking for a back-end starter. They would rather roll the dice with some of their young guys um, if if that's what has to happen. But right now they have their sights set more on adding a mid to a top-end starter. Someone he mentioned multiple times, someone that's kind of in line with Robbie Ray. Um, obviously, we had heard rumors uh, about uh, or, you know, I was told that they were working on a deal for Sonny Gray, uh, Reds pitcher, before the lockout happened. No clue if that's still going on. I heard that that is still a thing, but that was really all I was told on that front. So I'm not sure if it's close or those negotiations uh, got picked back up or, or anything. Uh, but that's kind of in the range that, that we're talking here is like Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Frankie Montes, Chris Bassett, et cetera. If they're not able to get one of those guys, it seems like they're going to let that fifth starting uh, starting pitcher um, in, the, in their rotation come down to, you know, guys like George Kirby or, or Brandon Williamson or Matt Brash um, or maybe that versatile pitcher that I mentioned earlier. So how do you feel about that? Because that potentially rules out someone like Tyler Anderson or uh, Michael Pineda or someone like that. I think that's a mistake. Um Again, it, it's it's not so much that I don't like Matt Brash or George Kirby, and it's not that I'm saying that they can't be good right away. It's saying that that to me is a huge red flag. It's a it's a risk, right? Because you're the Mariners. Every win is going to count because the odds of you winning the division are still really slim because Houston is is that much better than you. So you look at that and you go, well, okay, what happens if? George Kirby is bad or Matt Brash is bad or, or, you know, they need more time. And then God forbid, what happens if, if, you know, Chris Flexen gets hurt or Robbie Ray gets hurt, you know, what are you going to do? Like having those guys as your sixth starter is already a bit of a risk, but having them as, you know, your, your, or having them as your seven starter is already a risk, but having them as your six and 
if you can't find the right deal, you're a de facto five. That's pretty terrifying because then you're looking at guys like Justin Dunn and Justice Sheffield um, trying to hold down that spot while you wait for Kirby and, and Brash to, to, you know, click. So I think it's an unnecessary risk. I think you can get Tyler Anderson for like a million bucks. So, um, you know, he did mention maybe they would get some, uh, bring in some guys who uh, are a guy who could transition to the bullpen, um, you know, if when the right time came. But I, to me, anybody can transition. And you to and the I bullpen. have talked about guys like that. You know, we've talked yeah, about but, Colin McHugh. We've talked about Ryan Yarbrough. So that's interesting. Right. But like anybody can trans- transition to the bullpen. Going from the, the starter to a bullpen, not the same thing as going from the bullpen to the to a starting rotation. So anybody can transition. Sure. So I don't know, like, just go get the best guy you can. And then if you have to move somebody and it's, you know, Chris Flexen makes the most sense, even if Chris Flexen is pitching well, okay, goodbye. You know, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. you have to do what you have to do and you have to raise your floor as high as you can because raising the floor also raises your ceiling. And I just, I, I mean, the good news is, like I said, it sounds like the Mariners are so very invested in getting impact, which they need. I just wish that they mm-hmm. seemed a little bit more excited about adding depth, especially in a season where you have to try and cram a full season's worth of games into 162 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and to be fair, you know, DePoto did mention that they are in the market for depth, um, but it does seem like he, he feels pretty confident that they have quite a bit of depth already. Um, with some of the guys that they have uh, coming up. And so, you know, and, and he mentioned that, you know, seeing these guys, some of these guys over the last, you know, three weeks down in minor league camp because all of his focus has been put on those guys uh, has kind of changed his approach w- with maybe uh, at least things on the, on the depth si- uh, front. So, um, you know, we'll see what, what comes of that. Um, but overall, I, I think, in general, the message pretty much remained the same from what it was prior to the uh, to the lockout. And, uh, you know, he reiterated once again as if, you know, it needed to be reiterated. But for, for those that were worried that maybe John Stanton and, and ownership would pull the rug out from under Jerry again, uh, he reiterated that he has full payroll flexibility. Um, they oh, we'll That's when he mentioned, that. you know, some of the guys that he's been tethered to you know right. uh that that's his words so you know trevor story and and chris bryant um you know those guys are going to cost a lot of money so mm-hmm. you know he 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 made sure to uh to emphasize that they are still in those guys' market that they are, are still going to try and go big here uh with you know thing. what so you know it would have been really nice though mm. if john stanton was there while he was doing his press conference and he confirmed it you know and sure like, look, I, I get it. Stanton definitely doesn't want to be in the spotlight um, and he doesn't want to answer questions because, quite frankly, his tenure as Mariners owner has been tumultuous at best. Uh, when you look at Kevin Mather, you look at like the the report that like he didn't spend last offseason because Mather told him not to. And hey, what do you know? The Mariners go out and spend, you know, another eight to ten million dollars last year. Maybe they break their playoff drought. So. And then obviously, you know, he gets he gets lumped in with the owners, which I don't, you know, if you think that's fair or not, he is one of the thirty owners. So we all just went through the rigmarole with them. So I, I, it would have been nice to see Stanton there confirming that, or or any any kind of statement from John Stanton would be nice. But 
it is what it is. And uh, like I said, the good news is, is that by all accounts, Jerry is, is definitely uh, still fishing in the, uh, in the deep pool. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I just, again, I wish he would, I wish he was a little more optimistic, uh, excited about, you know, maybe adding like fourth outfielders and, and number six starting pitchers. But like, it's not like he was like, Oh no, we're not going to do that. So just, you know, probably just reading it yeah. into things a little too much because we've been starved for news for what, three, three months now. Yeah. So, uh, Jerry uh, not only talked about, you know, his plan for the off season, he also gave some updates on the health of Kyle Lewis and others and pretty positive. We're going to be talking about that in just a moment. Some other notes, but real quick, a reminder, this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts so colby we've spent this entire lockout really concerned about the mariners outfield and one of the reasons for that is we haven't really been confident in kyle lewis's ability to return uh and be healthy right we we know that he was dealing with some knee issues last year that uh made it forced him to miss most of the season and there wasn't really any positive updates coming out of Jerry DePoto over the course of the offseason about that. It was more wait and see. Well, Jerry DePoto today in his media appearances said that all systems are pretty much go for Kyle Lewis. He says that he looks and of course, they haven't seen him in person yet. This is really just off of reports from uh Lewis's training staff, uh, his personal training staff, and uh, some videos that that Depoto has seen, but um, he he appears ready to go and ready to play is what Jerry Depoto says, and that is huge for the Mariners. It's one less thing you have to add because Lewis, if he's fully healthy, is I believe at least a league average bat and at least a league average center fielder defensively. Um. Does that mean that they would wouldn't start Julio over Kyle Lewis? No, I mean I think they're going to be pretty cautious with that knee, and obviously playing center field is a much bigger burden than playing left or right field. Um, but in theory, Lewis should, if he's still okay in center, he still should be pretty good in left or right field, which means you can DH Mitch Haniger a little bit more. But again, I, I think they're going to be very cautious. I wouldn't be shocked if if Lewis didn't start the year on the big league roster. He does have options left. Um, and just to kind of get him into the the flow of things, um, you know, we talked about guys who were impacted by uh, the lockout, like which players Kyle Lewis is, is one of the big ones. You know, he's right there with Taylor Trammell and, and Alberto Rodriguez. Um, it's a guy who could have really used time down in in Arizona right now. He could have used the last three weeks down in Arizona. Um, so maybe he doesn't start the year with a big club. But if he is fully healthy, then the Mariners have, I think, at worst, a really solid fourth outfielder. Um, who can you know play all three spots and and hit pretty well and hit for some power and and still has you know all star upside so um, it's it'd be huge if he is you know back to where he was last year physically um, because I, I'm still I'm still a Kyle Lewis believer and uh, mm-hmm. I just 
I feel like if he's not if he if the Mariners were to trade him or, or you know somewhere down the line, Lewis is going to have a big year um, because the talent is just it's insane. And I think we also sometimes we forget about how big Kyle Lewis is, like personality wise, and how he plays in in that clubhouse. Um, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It, it would be absolutely massive to kind of have the homegrown offensive player, the one homegrown offensive player that's really worked out for Jerry DePoto right now. Um, you know, Kelnick, I'm not giving up on, obviously, and Julio, I'm not giving up on. He hasn't even made it, but, like, you look at, you know, the just the, the DePoto-acquired and developed offensive players, Lewis is really the only one right now that we can call a success. So it would be nice to have him back. But, yeah, it, it would be a huge, huge addition. Yeah, uh, massive. I mean, it, it pretty much fills a huge need for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember what Jerry DePoto said earlier this offseason. We're not really counting on Kyle Lewis right now. We're just, we look at anything that he can give us as a bonus. And so that's a huge bonus. If he can be ready for opening day, that's massive. That is massive for you. And, and DePoto, you know, mentioned that they got to wait and see on how, you know, on if he'll be able to uh, play in center field. Um, he mentioned left field. He also mentioned DH for him uh, mm-hmm. on on uh, multiple occasions. By the way, uh, mentioned that. Also mentioned Mitch Haniger for for DH as well. So mm-hmm. clearly, Jerry Depoto has been listening to Locked On Mariners. Um, <laughs> so up, he also, uh, you know, he <laughs> he also talked about uh, Evan White and some other guys, and and says that it, it looks like there are going to be uh, no hindrances for. Mm-hmm anyone uh coming into the camp they got to wait and see until they're, they're sure. until they're right in front of them but Physicals so far reports are that everyone days. is healthy yeah yeah we'll probably get quite a few of those reports on sunday and monday would be my guess um players have to report by monday i think it is so yeah sunday sunday okay so we we should have you know some information on these guys by monday and we'll probably get everybody's favorite uh segment of the year like Who's in the best shape of their life? Who is it going to be this year? I, I'm, I'm voting for Evan White. I He's think Evan White is going to okay. be in the best shape of his life. Yeah. So is Kyle Lewis. Already in pretty good shape, man. So, but yeah, sometimes you yeah. you go through that extensive rehab, and it really just trans transforms your entire body. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Like those two guys are already in pretty good shape. Uh, not an obvious candidate like there has been in the past. Usually, it's a veteran. But uh, yeah, that that'll be fun to, to get that that quote because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Mm. Trevor Story potentially best shape of his <laughs> life. You know, there's been some talks about his arm, obviously. So yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if you saw the report from your your good buddy, um, who you didn't know existed until yesterday. Uh, uh, Michael Balco. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's tweeted that the Mariners are reportedly in the market for both a shortstop and starting pitcher, and they are expected to land a quote notable name at each position. Wow, cool. Clayton Kershaw and Carlos Correa confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. you go ahead and dream. So, yeah, no, I, I and I have been seeing people dream. By the way, uh, <laughs> good for them. Good for them. <laughs> we're we're back. We're back to setting our expectations way too high on uh, on good old Mariners Twitter, which uh, you know what I missed it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's nice to have uh, it's nice to have this back. I, I I rather have this 
than uh, no baseball whatsoever. Uh, it's been a it's been a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot more fun once uh, once things start to get rolling here in the I don't know next few hours days. I mean, it's got to happen at some point. So we will uh, we'll see. But um, all right, we've been uh, over the last two weeks uh, as a part of an initiative for Locked On. Uh, we've been looking at how. You know, certain aspects of the Mariners roster and just organization in general ranks compared to the rest of the ALS. And now to wrap things up, we are being tasked with just looking at the Mariners as a whole. Where do they rank in the ALS as things currently stand? So, Colby, I'll defer to you here. Uh, honestly, the way the rosters are currently, I, I think they're uh, I think they're fourth, to be quite honest. Uh now I think the gap between number two and number four is quite small. Um, and I think it's a gap that probably will be overcome by the Mariners here in the next you know week or so. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you just, you look at, you know what the, where the angels are, they're a little bit ahead talent wise of where the Mariners are. Not that that's ever mattered before. Um, and Oakland, because they still have Olsen, they still have Chapman, they still have all their pitchers. Like I think they're slightly mm-hmm. better than the Mariners on paper. But that gap is really small. Uh, Houston is is still the runaway for me. You know, if, if they lose Correa and they're not able to get story done, then obviously the gap gets smaller. But I would still say Seattle's fourth. They kind of lack the star power of, of um, Anaheim, and they don't quite have the same pitching or you know infield talent as Oakland. Um, they're still better than Texas, even with Texas's big three additions so far. Um, Texas has a ways to go to catch Seattle. So ultimately I think they'll probably by opening day, I think they will be the second best team in the division. But right now I would say they're probably the fourth best roster. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the A's have more star power with Matt Olson, right? I think that's kind of where you start there. Um, mm-hmm. I think the rotation's a little bit better. Yeah, uh, with Bassett and Manaya and uh, and Montes, one of which could be joining the Mariners rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I I, I think in uh, in general though, right now, just where everything stands, they like you said are about fourth, and they're a pretty close fourth, right? Like I I think by the end of this, by the time that we get to opening day in less than a month, I think they're going to be second. Um, quite frankly, um. Yes, the Angels have the Angels might be the most talented team in the entire division, really, when you look at just the absolute star power that they have on their roster with Otani and Trout and Rendon. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just they've never not been a, able to perform. Not a ton behind it. Yeah. And so, you know, but and and to that point, right, like they just have never been able to uh to neither get past the Astros or even really, you know, be in an average, an average baseball team. They, they've really struggled to even be average um, over the last few years, pretty much since DePoto left. I think they haven't even finished they, above 500. Nope. Since they, that have happened. Not, they have not had a winning record since they fired Jerry DePoto. They're well since Jerry. So, and that's, that's a, that's a long time ago. Six years. When, yeah. And when you have, Trout, when you have Otani, when you have Rendon, when you have some of the guys that they have, you know, now they've added, you know, Noah Syndergaard and we'll see how that rotation goes. But yeah, I, you know, it's, 
it's Astros number one. That's definitive. Case closed. There's no argument there, and that's not going to change no matter really what the Mariners do this offseason. But I think given the history, the track record of the Angels and where the A's are likely heading, where they're going to sell at some point because they don't want to spend the money on on their guys, uh, the Mariners are going to be number two by opening day. I feel pretty good about making that statement right now. Yeah. And whether that's because they signed Chris Bryant, Trevor Story, or they traded for Brian Reynolds or what have you, who knows? But I think they're going to get there at the end of the day. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to see, uh, you know, after spending this entire off season locked out and basically talking about the same few items, it's going to be fun to see how it actually comes together, how all of our speculation and discussion, uh, you know, it, what, what of it actually came true and what of it did not. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see, see what happens. And hey, maybe by Monday, uh, when we reconvene here on Locked On Mariners, We'll have a move to talk about. Maybe two, maybe three. Who knows? And uh, on the week of March 21st, so not this upcoming week, but the week after, we're going back to five shows a week, we can officially announce. So you'll be getting a lot more of us here on Locked On Mariners. So be sure to stay tuned. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to start doing season previews soon. We're going to be doing predictions and uh, getting you set for the 2022 season for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll probably start doing that once we have more clarity on where the roster is going. But yeah, uh, once that happens, we're we're going to be going full force on that and uh, getting you set for opening day on April 7th in Minnesota. So that is going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tide Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. Now, make your second listen of the day, Locked On MLB, where Paul Francis Sullivan, and please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the Major League's present past. It's free wherever you get your podcast, just like us. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day and a beautiful baseball weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Peace.